0: Brody.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 100 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to talk about back pain and cyclists and how that should not be an accepted norm for you, as well as the importance of culture in your coaching or your riding. Now, these are three really fundamental topics that often get overlooked. Whether you're a coach or a rider, uh, we tend to shrug these things off, and uh, it really can set us back quite a bit. But before we get into today's main topics, a couple announcements. Number one is the Strength Training for Cyclists certification enrollment has closed. Midnight yesterday, it closed. Just before episode 100 went live, there is no more signing up for the Strength Training for Cycling certification. Now we have seen coaches from China, Spain, the US, uh, and I believe there was one from either England or Ireland. I can't remember where uh, that have signed up. So we really are getting worldwide reach. Uh, We also managed to land 1.7 NSCA CEUs. That means that Between the strength training for cycling success course, strength training for triathlon success courses over on Training Peaks University, and our certification, you are going to earn almost uh, 3.5 CEUs from the NSCA. That's half of what you would need to recertify, and that's pretty significant. That's a BFD big freaking deal. Uh, And I'm very proud of that. That means that the course is high quality. Uh, It meets all acceptable standards for strength training. Uh, And for those who are out there looking for this, this isn't just written by some cycling coach uh, who has a little bit of experience in the strength training world. It's written by me. I've over 25 years of experience in strength training, health and fitness. Uh, And if you missed it, make sure you're signing up for the Insider's List. Uh, there was really good feedback, actually, this time on the bonuses. There was over uh, two hours, I think, of video. Uh, we talked about the deadlift, the squat, positions. Uh, we talked about the importance of programming, on-bike assessment, off-bike assessment. So lots of free bonuses that you get just for signing up for the Insider's List uh, and gaining $200 off the price when it opens again, uh, which will be in the fall at some point. Don't know the date yet? Don't ask, because I can't tell you yet. we got to come up with that uh, with the team. Announcement number two is there is another course that is in development can't tell you about it quite yet But we are recording it this week. It will be up for editing and this too will be submitted for CEUs approved by USA Triathlon USA Cycling the NSCA NASM and AFAA Um, Part of where I am in my career and and where I'd like to help you Especially as coaches is to be able to buy one program That's going to teach you about strength training uh, and conversion to on bike and allow you to be able to earn CEUs for all the different services certifications that you carry, because no longer in the world do we have coaches with one or two certifications, but usually three or five. Um, So I really want to try and help you be able to get the most value that you can, aside from a program that is just at the absolute forefront on helping people get out of pain, increase their performances, and get more out of what they already have. And that leads us to today's first topic, and that is lower back pain in cyclists and triathletes. Now, Over the last year here, or really nine months, eight months, I've launched a couple programs. Uh, For two years now, we've had the Better Back and Hips program, which is an individualized program. Uh, Every time someone comes through or or is found to be correct for one of these programs, it is a 100% personalized program. Um, Now, what's surprising for a lot of people is we'll do the uh, call for the Big Gear Blueprint, and as we go through, it turns out that you have back pain. And this is something that you've written off. And I'm not talking about a little bit of an ache. Let let me go back here through uh, a couple of of call notes. Uh, One of them was back from last December. I spoke with a gentleman who was referred to me uh, by another coach uh, in the Southwest US. And as we went through here, Uh, just one of the questions is, you know, do you have any aches or pains? Oh yeah, well my knee hurts, uh, when I pedal sometimes, my cleat came loose uh, a couple of years ago, I still have issues from that because I didn't get it fixed. Um, and then I said, well do you have any pain throughout your day? Oh yeah, I have, I have some back pain. Oh, you mean like sitting at the desk? No, no, when I, when I get up and down off the floor playing with my kids. Interesting, can you tell me about that? And we went on for about, you know, five minutes, uh, digging into the, the back pain a little bit, and it turns out that he's 30 something mid thirties. And he has severe sharp back pain when he gets off the floor from playing with his kids, but he doesn't need a better back and hips program because he doesn't feel that the back pain is that bad. Think about that for a second. You have sharp stabbing pain when you're getting up and down off the floor from playing with your kids. That's a quality of life issue. That is the most important pain because he kept trying to come back to, well, on the bike, I'm fine. Well, on the bike, I'm fine. Well, that's great. But your bike should be a part of the rest of your life. Don't you want to spend time with with your kids, playing on the floor with them and enjoying the time and not worrying about having sharp, debilitating pain where you had to lay on the floor for three or four minutes with my legs uh, off to the side a little bit until it it stopped seizing. And this is just one example. There's another one here from... uh, Let's see, I think it was April. And the reason I'm reading this off to you is because uh, one, for those coaches out there, write down when you have conversation, take notes. Here's another one, April 27th. She is 41 and a half years old. Um, found bike riding when she was in her mid thirties, really really enjoys it, Uh, has been having more and more pain as she goes through the days after her bike rides. In the evening, it culminates in her back seizing up. She gets tingling down her leg, uh, as well as a sharp pain uh, right in the middle of her back but she just wants strength training. So this is back in April. Uh, there's another one, uh, someone who's in their mid fifties and he is a dentist. And we talked about his pain and how he has it all day from sitting in the dentist chair. Now that's a, a little bit of an occupational hazard. So that is a little bit of an outlier here, but do you hear the, the recurring theme here of the back pain does, doesn't bother me on the bike, or it only bothers me after so many hours on the bike. Uh, and then it's a problem. No, 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 back pain is not normal. This is not part of the normal aging and has become accepted as part of normal. It's been accepted into the world of cycling and triathlon, but it is not something that you quote unquote, uh, just have happened to you because you're a cyclist or a triathlete. Previously, we've talked about the deadlift on how cyclists and triathletes should rarely, if ever, Deadlift off the floor. If anything I say, do not deadlift off the floor. Deadlift with the weights up six to eight inches off the floor uh, from just below knee height. And I've had a number of conversations with well-meaning coaches and athletes who say, well, I really enjoy deadlifting off the floor. Or I find um, that the deadlifting off the floor is really important because it puts my hips through full range of motion. But when you look at the video of them doing it, they have very clear spinal hinges. Uh, L3, L4, um, L4, L5, uh, L5, S1. They're all spinal hinges. And then when I ask for a video on the bike, "Oh, that's not connected to the deadlift. That's, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Now, why am I going off a little bit here in a rant style, on the 100th episode? You know, shouldn't this be celebrating everything that we've done up until this point and putting in two and a half years worth of work to get to 100 and being consistent for the last uh, 57 weeks except for one where it was auto-scheduled and it glitched? That's all important, but this episode is about you and the culmination of what we've learned and the important topics that we've covered the last 100 and the one that keeps coming up in the phone calls for the Big Year Blueprint uh, program, which, uh, sorry, that should have been the third announcement. (laughs) Uh, The Big Year Blueprint will open here in July, so I'm going to start taking Phone calls uh, and, and essentially uh, we interview to see if this is a right program for you. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. But if you are interested, uh, go ahead and email me b as in boy r o d as in dog i e at humanvortextraining dot com uh, or just send me a message on Facebook or Instagram uh, and we will uh, set up a 10 minute phone call to see if a it's a good fit for you and then we will do a longer phone call uh, to really figure out what your needs are. But back on point here for the back pain, these acceptances of pain off the bike or after two hours on the bike, these are not normal. When we're talking about doing your first century, yes, everything's going to hurt because the muscles are tired. You've pushed the tissues more than they have before. Uh, It it is an extraordinary event, Um, but having this pain over and over again should not be where you are. In fact, when you get off the bike, the pain that you should have should be uh, the fatigue in the legs, the fatigue in the in the lungs, if you're doing VO2, are all outs. Uh, but other than that, there really shouldn't be any other pain. And this is something that way too many cyclists, I, I have had a myriad, there's that biblical word again, a myriad of interactions at cafes after team rides or group rides uh, or during group rides when I'm driving the follow car of, hey, uh, looks like you're in pain. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. It's normal. No, that's not normal. So. When it comes to back pain for cyclists, here are the three most important things that you need to know. Number one is when it comes to back pain, uh, we need to learn good spine hygiene. Good spine hygiene means we are learning to move from the hips. Free the hips, free the hips free the hips. You've got to learn how to move about the hips. And uh, we'll put this into the show notes, but uh, over on the the YouTube channel uh, back here in April, I believe it was, uh, we actually had a number of uh, hip movements uh, on YouTube uh, for you to learn how to actually brace the midsection and move well. And just two weeks ago, we released the uh, top three mistakes for bird dogs. I've already received four messages. Uh, including, uh, I think one of them was actually a comment, four messages of, wow, the bird dog is way harder when you do it that way. I could barely do two or three raps. Or uh, let's actually take another one. Uh, I won't say who this is, but a, a friend of mine actually sent this over and it said, definitely making... Uh, makes a difference doing the bird dogs properly. And I said, do tell, what do you feel different? And they said, well, it's a lot harder for one thing, Uh, hard now that you actually have to brace the torso. That's the whole idea of the exercise. And, And the real thing is, is that when it comes to spine hygiene and it comes to strength training and it comes to learning how to create rotary stability, it really is a pretty simple thing. Uh, that we just have to learn but so many coaches out there don't have that skill and that's exactly why i created the strength training for cyclists certification course i mean this course goes into the details to tell you how to build the strength training program uh, how and why to progress it how the progressions for cyclists are different this applies those progressions apply also to triathletes all of these things matter because when we're looking at you as a cyclist one of the first things that we want to make sure we're doing is giving you a bigger margin of safety Remember that from the most important thing, episode 98. The, the most important thing is margin of safety. And if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you're hitting subscribe, give us a review, and go back and listen to that. The margin of safety is gonna come from practicing good spine hygiene movements. We're already spending tens of hours a week, uh, if not more than that, on our bikes in forward flex positions, putting strain onto the tissues of the back. The absolute last thing you need is to go into the weight room and put a heavy weight on your back and then start doing back squats or deadlifts off the floor when those tissues aren't ready. The muscles that work to help stabilize the spine are far from being fit. Uh, just because you can does not mean you should. Now this is getting a little bit into rant and that's more of the tone of my voice rather than the notes I have and the preparation I've done. But The reason I'm ranting here a little bit or getting uh, more emotional about it is because out of all of the calls that I've done for the Big Year Blueprint, there are nine, nine where these folks needed, without a doubt, somebody to help them learn good spine hygiene, to build great movement patterns, to build great resiliency and strength endurance for their spine, and yet all they wanted was a heavy lifting program. And this is where we are. That's the state of the world right now for cyclists. So we went from lightweight high reps being it, to lift heavy shit, to now I can't do body weight movements and learn how to move myself and to control forces because that's too easy. I just need to lift heavy stuff. That is a huge problem. And as you'll hear from one of our our future guests here, uh, Alan Lim. We had a great conversation talking about duality. Uh, it's a really deep conversation. And the first half of it, uh, you know, we're kind of all, all over the map because he just pulls in some things and I'm sitting there. You can hear me think in between the, the questions after he answers of like, which rabbit hole do we want to go down? How do we how do we want to address this? Because there are some really big points from that. Uh, so again, if you haven't subscribed and, and reviewed already, uh, make sure you're doing that now. As we go through and we look at these nine individuals, nine, it is so obvious that strength for strength's sake is not the issue. It is movement quality, building resiliency and spine hygiene throughout the day, and teaching them how to move better. And all of that needs to be done without weights. And I've done that here with the track team that I work with, and I had a fantastic conversation with the the, the head coach who runs the whole program and has built the best in the world, literally world champions in that this program that I built is high quality because it teaches them from the foundations, from the beginning, move better, learn how to move, feel your body in space. We did not load them. The only load that we moved for the first five weeks of this program was a wooden dowel and we used bands, very small bands. We're talking about the two inch band, the one inch band, and we used the lightest of the the mini bands. That's all we used for the first couple weeks. Only after week six, week seven, did we introduce an empty barbell. And even then, you know, a lot of the athletes were like the riders like, Hey, we can do more weight. Great. You're not doing the movement well enough. So let's learn how to produce force down to the ground. Oh, my glutes and my midsection work together. And then they start coming back week six, week seven. Hey, I tried that shielded breath on the bike and that, that McGill and that st- and man, I really felt the difference out of the blocks or man, I really felt the difference when I needed that power on the bike. These are the skills of strength training. It is the skills of strength training that you need on the bike, not the weight on the bar. And that's where we're going to transition to our second topic here, and that is strength training for cyclists and the culture that we have. We've already touched on this. We've gone from lightweights and high reps to lift heavy shit. And what that's done is essentially destroyed the ability uh, of great coaches out there uh, who haven't learned how to get buy-in to be able to help people. And For a number of years, I include myself in in those ranks because I had great programs that worked, but I wasn't good at not selling people the program. I don't like selling because if it's not right, it's not right. If you're not ready for it, cool, awesome. Go do something else uh, because you're not here yet. And really what it is is getting buy-in, being able to identify the one or two things that the person needs, get them to try it for the amount of time that they need, uh, be willing to say that you're wrong, and have that open and free-flowing culture of, yeah, you're the leader, but the athlete is the only one who can tell you how their body feels or how something feels. You cannot tell an athlete what it feels like. You can tell them what it looks like, but I can't tell an athlete what an RPE is. I just had a basketball player in today, a development basketball player, and uh, we actually wound up uh, hex bar deadlifting, 134 kilos, 134, most we've ever done. And at the end, he said, wow, that felt really light. And I said, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how did that feel to you? It's like seven, seven and a half. We were doing heavy sets of three and he's moving well. He's getting his speed at the top with the hips is fantastic. Almost getting off the floor. And I said, okay, so it felt like a seven and a half. It looked like a nine to me. What, what were you thinking? What did you feel? He was like, oh, I just wanted to get hundred percent of my foot force down to the ground. So even though it looked like a nine to me, it felt like a seven to him. And this is where we need to be very careful about the cultures that we are building, the cultures that we are in. And I, I can't remember, I know uh, definitely with uh, Dr. Lim we talked about this, and there's another guest uh, who we recorded with where we talk about the importance of those who, whom you're surrounding with. And nowadays, uh, we have surrounded ourselves via podcast, via blog posts. I've, I read a number of articles on strength training on other uh, websites uh, that are well-meaning. You know, strength standards for cyclists. I've had a number of people say, well, how come you have this certification course, but you've never published strength standards for for cyclists? It depends. It's not like general strength. Like sure, we could say the general strength standards apply where you should be able to squat 1.7 times your weight as a male, 1.5 times your weight as a female for uh, at least a, a single rep. We could say that you should be able to do X, Y, and Z. And I've kicked this idea around. I've, I've spoken with a number of professionals about this. Um, uh, doesn't matter who they are, but I've spoken to two or three in particular, like, hey, I'm trying to come up with strength standards for a sport. Uh, This is where my mind is right now. This is where it was three months ago. What do you think? And their question is, well, why do you need a strength standard? If it's on a bike and it's not measured by that, shouldn't it be done by movement quality? But how do you put that into a, an article and how do you get people to buy into that? And that's what the certification does, right? You're looking for movement quality. Uh, and that's part of the feedback I'm getting from folks is um, I'd really like to know how to how to adjust for these movement deficiencies, we'll call them. Uh, and this is where we spoke uh, about a week and a half ago of uh, essentially um, we really need to get folks to understand that, yeah, there is a balance between how much weight you move and how you move on the bike but really what matters more is how you move on the bike that's what we're here for and so many folks nowadays it's so foreign them to them they don't understand that the weight on the bar doesn't matter so the individuals we just mentioned the the, the text message about doing the the bird dog properly these individuals are going to start seeing personal records in their riding lifetime personal records we're not just talking about like last year, the last two years. These are going to be lifetime personal bests for two reasons. One, I know that they're on bike stuff. They're doing roughly the right things. And that's all that it takes, roughly the right things. And now that we're getting them to understand that they need to move better and create tension better and get movement from the right places and just enough stiffness in the other places and stability in the other places, through that culture, of repeated exposure of this is where we need to go. This is what we need to do. These individuals are now getting it. They're now understanding the culture is not the more weight on the bar. And it takes years to build this. Dr. Stacy Sims, it took her years of going out and lecturing and writing a book with Celine Yeager and, and creating her courses. It took years to get there, but nobody sees that. They don't remember that. They don't remember Dr. Sims from 2013, 14, when she did one of her early interviews. That's when I got hooked on her. It was 2013. I remember hearing it, going, "Wow, that's how I messed up with those females when I first started coaching." Whoa, holy crap! And then sharing it with people, and people would be like, "Yeah, mm-hmm, that's nice, cool. Yeah, no, women are women are just like guys. They they just it's fine, it's okay. You know, once you get past menopause, good luck with that." Hmm. And it's taken years, you know. You look on Amazon, and Roar now has an immense amount of reviews. I think she has something like four thousand. Let's actually do it live while we record. Do you notice uh, in the in the shows? I don't know if you guys notice now, but sometimes if I if I start going down a rabbit hole, uh, you'll hear the the keys clicking in the background uh, or me clicking a pen because I'm I'm writing a note for something uh, because I want to go and give you the most up to date. Uh, so she has one thousand six hundred and fifty five. 54, uh, reviews four and a half stars. It took her almost 10 years to get there. And that culture shift has to happen. And it starts with you and me. It's recognizing, uh, it's questioning, not just questioning the question. We're, we're questioning because we're curious. What if it doesn't work? And this is where the evidence-based practice and, and we as coaches, I think have a lot that we need to improve upon uh, in that the evidence science is not black or white. It's not, but people are treating it like that. This is what the evidence says for a small group of people in a set time, a a small snapshot of time. When I do McGill uh, assessments with folks, it says right there in their guidelines after, based upon our meeting, that snapshot from today this is what was causing pain. These are the involved tissues. These are the mechanisms. This is how we're going to progress forward because that could change tomorrow. It could change in two weeks. It could change three weeks ago. It could have been different. The snapshot is right now. And that culture shift, that culture change begins with asking tough questions. You've heard that here on the podcast. Numerous guests have said, I think almost every single episode where we interview or I interview somebody, there is at least, well, that's a really good question and that's the art or the practice, I should say, of free flowing conversation. There's not a lot of structure to these conversations. And some of the rabbit holes, some of the best episodes and some of the best conversations we've had are because we don't have a script. We have one or two guiding light posts. Sometimes it winds up like the first you know, 20 minutes of the interview with Dr. Lim, which you'll hear, where it's kinda like, wow, okay, how do we, how do, we do this? And then, okay, now we gotta bring it all together. So if we listen to everything that you talked about, which is this, this, and this, how does X? And then we start guiding it. So sometimes it's a little bit scattered and not as uh, neat uh, as others, where it's you know very it's a structured conversation. We know exactly what we're going to cover. Uh, some guests require that, where they know the questions ahead of time. But even then, we go down to the rabbit holes, and that's where we get hour and a half, two hour episodes. I know a couple of you have asked, well you know, don't you want to trim that out? No, I, that's the point of this podcast is to ask these questions, to have these open and free flowing conversations, uh, and to be a little bit critical and more open about what we're doing. And that culture is building. Uh, thanks in large part to you. Thanks in large part to doing a hundred episodes and just being uh, repeated over and over again. Thanks to writing the blog posts. And a lot of it isn't, you know, putting a a flag in the ground just to to put a flag in the ground. I've seen one professional, some of you will know who I'm talking about. Uh, It doesn't matter, I'm just using this as an example, Uh, but his thing right now is anti-35 pound plates because he has to be anti-something. You have to create something to rally against, something to be together with, something that's gonna pull everyone and motivate them because you should dislike or very like this thing, like CrossFit or Paleo, but really, what we really want, what we're really trying to do is to create a culture of a shared community knowledge of a shared language. Seth Godin talks about this in his, uh, one of I'd say it's his uh, foundational book of um, Purple Cow. And the example is for Purple Cow is you're driving down the road and you see cows, black and white, Jersey, brown, not really a big deal. When you first see them, you're like, oh, cool cows. And then after the fifth or sixth farm, you're like, oh, cool cows. All right. in the 10th or 11th farm, they're like, oh, uh, there's cows? Yeah, I, I guess there are cows. But a purple cow, you'd hit the brake so hard and hit reverse, you'd probably cause an accident. A purple cow, what the heck? That's what we're seeing now in, in the world of, of endurance training. We see these evidence-based practices that are trying to be purple cows. They're trying to create these cultures that are anti or pro. That's not what we're about. And you hear that here on the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast. I'm not trying to create a negative stigma of deadlifts are bad or deadlifting off the ground is bad. It depends. That's episode number one. It depends. Most cyclists and triathletes really don't have a right to deadlift off the ground. If you're not using uh, bumper plates, totally don't deadlift off the ground. Awful idea. And yet there are athletes. You walk into the gym, you will find right now three cyclists, well, two cyclists and a triathlete, a long distance triathlete who are deadlifting off the ground. And then we start a conversation. Well, on your podcast and your blogs, you said that we shouldn't deadlift off the ground. Why are they doing it? Watch their movement. What do you think of it? Does it look good? What can we improve upon? How's their spine? Ask them, talk to them. Does your back bother you? How are you feeling? Did you start deadlifting off the ground? Oh, you didn't. You started from a rack, not even a quarter, but now you've worked your way down. It's all about balance. And that culture that we have, building your culture, whether it's in your group ride, uh, in your coaching business, we want to build the culture where you're feeling comfortable, where you're able to actually balance everything, and you're able to maintain a open mind for things. And this is really important. And, and uh, Greg Chode is an upcoming guest where we talk about strength training. We talk about uh, quite a few different things. Uh, bike fitting is our main topic. Uh, but we actually also uh, talk about, uh, again, strength training training in general, how different athletes get different things and the balance and the different activities are so important for us. And really, the culture that, that Greg has built around himself uh, is that of, let's try it. Let's see how it goes here's pulling from my experience. Here's pulling from what you're telling me. And we're going to find the happy medium. That's going to work for you on this day at that time with where you are. And that'll change. Maybe it will go backwards. Maybe we'll go forwards. Maybe we'll fast forward. Maybe we'll go rewind fast, but it's a matter of finding what works for you and pulling from my experiences and my mind map and what you feel and what works for you. And that's where we're going to end today. So we've talked about lower back pain, not being, or should not be accepted. And that is a culture that we definitely need to shift Anti-back pain. I am anti-back pain. That is my, That I'm gonna make t-shirts and anti-back pain for cyclists. Cyclists should not have back pain. There you go, we've just created it. (laughs) But really what it comes down to is uh, it's so important for you to be able to balance things out. And this is where a lot of us uh, tend to just go with the flow. But today, I wanna close the episode by challenging you. Instead of going with the flow, be a little bit more astute assertive. Someone says something that you found that doesn't work for you, you don't need to get into an argument, but say, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, that, uh, I don't know, 80-20 approach really didn't work for me. But what did work for me was the Joe Friel, faster after 50 approach, which someone else will say, well, that is 80-20. And then have that conversation of working through uh, what exactly works for you, why, how, be open to hearing and learning new things. Uh, Because there are a lot of us, myself included, where we get into these ruts. Uh, As you heard previously, uh, I believe it was here on the Breakthrough Secret podcast when they interviewed me, Chris and Mike. Mike said, uh, you can either fall in love with what you know uh, or or looking to learn with what, uh, what you don't know. And uh, to paraphrase, he said it much more eloquently than that. But that's what we want to do as coaches, is we want to fall in love with what we don't know. We want to go out and explore. So know what you know, recognize that there is far more that you do not know, uh, and look to fill in the blanks, essentially, as you're going through. It's a lot of fun when you start to really get into true coaching and we're not perfect you know I myself I, we go through these ups and downs where we're, we're sharp we're on it then we go through another week where maybe we're not that sharp being honest being open about things admitting your mistakes and admitting when the culture is wrong the culture is wrong I had that with one of the interns that I at first uh, one of the first interns I had where um, you know essentially after about three weeks I just looked at him I was like dude I, are you happy here? Like, do you, do you want to continue? He's like, oh yeah, I really love it. I'm like, just be honest, man. Like, do you, do you really feel like you're getting something out of this? And he's like, well, I, it's not what I pictured. And I I kind of, I'm bored most of the time. Great. Let's find you another internship. And that's what we did. And he was way happier. Uh, He wound up working on the ambulance actually, which is really cool. A lot of shared uh, experiences there. And um, that's what it's about. And sometimes you feel like you're stuck because there's only one club or one coach in your region or your town or your city, and you feel like you have to work with that person. And that's not the case. Uh, Nowadays, you're able to work with anybody around the world. Uh, As I mentioned, the certification course, we now have uh, Singapore, China, Australia, uh, I think South Africa, although I'm not 100% sure I have to check, Spain, England, uh, Argentina. So we have everywhere in the world, essentially, uh, coaches are starting to pop up and you can reach out to anybody or you can work with me. I mean, there's really no limit as to the amount of information you can get. And some of the best things you can do oftentimes is to find a coach outside of your immediate location uh, who can work with you and help you learn something new outside of what is going on in your local circle. And that's one of the things for me as a coach is I learn a ton from some of the riders that I coach from very far distances and in other countries where I don't speak the language because there's a different thought process. There's more things or different things that are popular that are being talked about and it really helps you stay balanced. And that's one of the strengths that we have with the interwebs nowadays. So to close today, uh, if you found today's podcast episode useful or informative in any way, shape, or form, please give us a five-star review and uh, share us with three or four people who you know need to hear about back pain and why we should not accept it and how and why the culture and how you surround yourself and who you surround yourself with uh, is so important uh, to keep in mind uh, that you need to stay balanced and to have and ask those tough questions. So until next time, uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button and train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.
0: That's it for this episode of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HB Training. Until next time, remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.